here we are before our Jesus, King of the universe, the same one born in a manger, or rather born and placed in a manger 2,000 years ago. I'd like to lead you in a meditation, and this is the way of meditation taught by St. Ignatius of Loyola to his men 500 years ago. It's also the same way of meditation that Teresa of Avila taught her Carmelites. And I give you that as sort of a background because it's going to feel a little bit juvenile, but I'm going to ask you to jump in wholeheartedly uh, with the trust that this is the tradition of the church and not just a uh, kind of a juvenile exercise. It truly is what's called discursive mental prayer, uh, despite the um, surprisingly excessive use of the senses. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to imagine. And if you can do it with your eyes closed without falling asleep, great. If you want to keep looking at our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, that's great. I won't be looking at you because I'm just going to try to describe it to you as best as I can. But I want you to picture yourself, first century Israeli boy or girl, maybe 13 or 14 years old, who's kind of lived a rough life. Maybe you got some scrappy clothes on. You're walking through some hills in Judea, and it's about dusk. Maybe your family's missing or you're missing from your family. Maybe you've stolen some food that night. You don't feel particularly close to God. You're up on these foothills, maybe 30, 40 meters up. Dusk is falling. It's weighing on your conscience as a Jew, maybe not a good Jew, but a Jew that you stole because you had to for food, but maybe not that extra bit that you also stole. You don't feel worthy, and you feel alone. And as you're up on these foothills, you look down and you see three people walking. You look closer and no, it's two and a donkey. It's dusk and you have to focus your eyes and you, you look closer and you see it's a man leading a donkey and on the donkey's back is a pregnant woman, very pregnant, with her legs over to the side. And you get curious and you follow them at a distance, maybe, maybe 50 meters and you're still 20 meters up as you're following them. Your curiosity gets the best of you. And not really knowing where you're going, you see them disappear over one mountain and kind of notice about 15 minutes later a little bit of light come from around that corner. As, as you go around it, you notice a cave with a gentle glowing light coming out of it dances like a fire against the opposing mountain. Well, you're getting cold at this point and you've sort of lost interest in them, but you feel that there is a fire, so why not kind of go close to warm up? And you go to the entrance of this cave and you're there. And though you do have this sense of weight of your sin of unworthiness, you feel this tremendous peace emanating from there. All of a sudden, as you kind of doze off and fall into a boulder that you're sort of sitting at there, you notice a man before you and you're startled because he has a sword. 
you look up at him and he's clearly defensive of what you're doing there, but there's a love in his eyes. You notice something about this man that reminds you of every father, but you don't particularly know yours. And as you're looking at him and backing away in somewhat awe and somewhat respect, somewhat love and somewhat fear, you notice a baby crying inside. And you curiously look around his side and you see a young girl, maybe 14 years old, holding a baby. And for some reason you say, can I come in? This man who is Joseph looks you up and down, hesitatingly agrees to let you in. And he leads you in. You still notice the sword at his side. So you won't try anything fast, but you wouldn't want to because of this peace that you sense. You notice that there are animals, some oxes, another donkey, a cow in there. They're all on the ground, but strangely looking at this child in peace. This man named Joseph, he goes down to his knees, almost seemingly resting his, his elbows upon the spine of one of these ox. It's slightly warmer in there, but it's still cool, but for some reason you don't notice anything anymore. And you go down to your knees looking at this 14-year-old girl holding this child. You've seen women with babies before, but never anything this good. Good is the word that comes to your mind. You look back and it's already dark outside. Time Time seems to stop as you're looking at this woman and this child. You feel lonely. You feel tremendously unworthy to be at this scene, whatever it is that's going on here. Your unworthiness overwhelms you and you start to walk out of there because you can't take that anymore. And the young girl says, come. Joseph looks at her surprised that she would want some scrappy 14-year-old thief to come near. But you're more surprised than him. You still see the fire dancing against the cave there. The animals are asleep. But you obey her and you walk over there and can't help but fall to your knees in adoration of this child. And the young girl, the most beautiful girl you've ever seen, hands you this child as you tremble. That these hands that just stole six hours ago are now holding this child who looks at you with these eyes that seem human but not so human. They seem as human as ever, but also like you're looking into the eyes of God himself.
time stops. You know in your heart that you are called to adore, to worship, and to love this thing more than anything you've ever seen. You now sense Joseph over you, standing, towering over you, but this time it is not seeing you as a threat. He's there to protect you from whatever forces in the outside world, animals out in that valley, soldiers, whatever has been chasing them, the demons of the night. St. Joseph, terror of demons, is at your back. And you hold the Son of God in your hands. The sinless one, the Immaculate Conception is near you. You who is a thief, a luster, an idolater. Mary trusts you with her son, her only son. What would you say to this child that you hold in your arms at this moment? How would you tell him that you love him? How would you tell him that you adore him? How would you tell him that you thank him for your family, for the blessings of your life, for being able to know him? This is the Jesus who would one day say that there are people who would cast out demons, but because they do not know him, they would not enter the kingdom of heaven. Here he gives you the chance to know him, this ancient of days who's a few hours old. Now how would you tell him that you're sorry for the wasted years of your life, the wasted years that he's given you that you could have used better? Do his eyes speak that he gives you another chance tonight, this cold night on the outside? but he is with you. Do you sense a sense of hope near Mary as you speak of these wasted years? That it's not too late to accelerate what the Apostle Paul would one day call this course, this running to God. You're holding the Son of God who holds the universe in his hand, what do you ask of him? He who can give anything, who can give everything, who can give nothing if you have no faith. But if you have faith, what do you ask of him at this moment? This is Jesus before you in the Blessed Sacrament, this very same one. This is the living Son of God. Adore him for he's one and the same. Thank him for he's one and the same. Love him for he's one and the same. Tell him you're sorry for those wasted years, for the sloth, for the idols that you've spent more time on than him.
ask him what your family needs now. Kiss his forehead. Tell him the names of the family members that you want more for Christmas than any material objects to return to Jesus and his faith. 